Welcome, everyone. It is the Fly Guys podcast. Justin Goodhart and Cameron Klein. We didn't go anywhere. It's been a little while, but we are once again making episodes for our lovely listeners, Cameron. Uh, we are separated, however, by about 150 miles, which I believe does, you know, pertain to the six feet rule in, in COVID law. Yeah, I would say, you know, what is it? It's six feet, right? Six feet. Ten feet in the beginning, and then it's now six feet. So I figured, you know, what's 150 miles? <laughs> yes, Cameron is uh, safely in the loft. I am in Harrisburg. Uh, and Cameron, there's so much to talk about. Firstly, did you hear that Philadelphia, after four days, has decided to lift the indoor mask mandate? Yeah, I don't know why they. It's funny because I have, you know, speaking as a person who has COVID, and I'm just about to say I don't know why they put it back. <laughs> but I guess yeah. I do know why they put it back. But yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, I, I don't know, man. You'd ask me to make sense of it. I'm, it's, I'm no. not going to be able to make sense of it. it there, they put it no back for a couple days and then took it away. Okay, then I guess it wasn't that serious to put it back to begin with. Then what the fuck was the point? I don't know. Cited uh, due to the reasons that civilians and businesses were just outright refusing it, which, I mean, okay, if to then there was really never any reason. There was no rhyme or reason to actually have it go through. And then four days later, they basically just say, yeah, we're done here. We won't do that again, which is kind of ridiculous. Now, Cameron, the only way that I am able to even hear you without it affecting my microphone. I have like my regular headset on that I use for the for the podcast, but I also have a pair of 2006 Apple headphones plugged into this computer also in my ear as well so that way I can hear you clearly without it affecting the microphone, which I don't know about you, but that just feels like an all-time rig. That's like that's like this is like one of my favorite rigs I've ever set up. Oh, well, dude, that's an old school trick. Yeah. Oh yeah. You have the studio headphones over top with the with the you know earbuds going inside, mm-hmm. yeah, just yes. in case. Yeah, it's an old school trick. No, it's you know it's professionalism, right? Top there, notch. Uh, yeah. But so we are uh, here to talk about you know something that's happening in the city right now. The Philadelphia 76ers, Cameron, they have taken a 3-0 series lead over the Toronto Raptors, yeah. and it has been a joy to watch. The first two games, they annihilate Toronto. Game three, they don't play as well, but then Joel. Hans Embiid, a step-back dagger three-pointer to put him up 3 nothing, And what a what a nice, bright spot, as opposed to watching the Philadelphia Flyers. Hey, they beat the Montreal Canadiens. I know, 63, yada, yada. But the uh, Phillies really, are the not... Flyers, what the Flyers do, it's, it's, they, they didn't end the season on another 10-game losing streak, which they were pretty <sighs> much on pace they, about They were going to do, do it, again. yeah. But now now they can only <laughs> end, the, on the, end the season on a four-game losing streak, I believe. Yeah, you know, that's better, I guess, right? Meanwhile, Florida, you know, they're they're clinching the playoffs and Giroux is over a point per game player, which, you know, who 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 said that would have happened if he was on a team with talent? That's crazy. Who anyway, thought? um Yeah, but no, dude, like that 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 jumper three that he hit, it was just ridiculous, dude. It's textbook. It's one of those things you watch him all year and it's like every time the ball leaves his hands. Like you, you know he's going to score like you know twenty five to thirty points. Oh yeah, a night minimum, right? Like you know it's going to happen. But there, oh, there yeah. are certain nights like throughout this season that you're just watching where you're just every shot that you think isn't even going to, you think that's not going to go in, and it goes in, and it's just like that has no business. It's got no business going in. And this was just another night like that for Joel Embiid. And what's funny, dude, is like I'm I'm half comatose, right? Between COVID, the 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 cold medicine that I'm taking just laying there just literally like you know if you've seen those um 
that one uh, anti-marijuana commercial where there's the girl like deflated on the couch or <laughs> oh whatever. Oh my god, that's such an oldie. Dude, that's exactly like that's literally what I felt like the past probably three or four days. And that night watching that, I had the energy to just kind of mumble, "Holy shit!" <laughs> when that bucket went in, it was in- it was incredible. It was incredible. It, it was awesome. It like and you, oh, it just felt so good if, for it to be him. Like that's the guy, you know. Mm-hmm. A couple years ago, they had their season in Toronto. He was crying. Everyone's already, everyone's already talked about this. But yeah, you got you got Jokic as well, who's down 0-2 at this point. At least 0-3 at that point now. They that just game. lost again last yeah, night. At this point, 0-3. Yeah, but the time with the shot, it was at down 0-2. Oh, so yeah. it was like there's a lot of this vindication. And plus, I also got it. I got to get my hats off to Doc Rivers, dude, getting some redemption uh, with that late timeout that he took. A um, lot, a lot of people have been shitting on Doc this year. And granted, I'm not necessarily saying they're wrong. Um, but you know, it's just it's it's cool to see some redemption from him, um, and for Embiid. You know, obviously because he's not going to get the MVP, which we've already kind of seen, which is just ridiculous. And every every bucket that he makes, it just kind of seems just like a, a throwing it into the face of the people that are that are doubting. You know, you mentioned Doc Rivers and that timeout that he took, which really was an amazing use of your last timeout. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe how he it's was Peter Laviolette like that Peter was Laviolette like. <laughs> You know what? I like the way you put it in pretty low. I, I, that timeout's a legend. That, that timeout will never be topped. That's the greatest timeout of all time. Yeah, but dude. what I will say is not only did Doc Rivers run faster than he ever has in his entire <laughs> life to get down the court to call that timeout, not only do Raptors fans bitch and moan about how that should have been a technical foul for him leaving the coach's box, which, by the way, is like the least enforced rule in all of basketball, especially when it's the end of the game. The refs are always going to let you have that leeway. But I think that you talk about his redemption. Doc, I don't know if he's going to be the Sixers coach after this year, regardless of what happens. But what I do know is that the man has coached a magnificent series. And going into it, a lot of people felt that Nick Nurse was the best coach in the Eastern Conference and was going to coach circles around Doc Rivers. So, you know... He doesn't have a chance. And now, look, the Sixers, the game's tomorrow, too. They, they could sweep. And I think, honestly, and Cameron, you know, you and I can talk about playoff series because we've seen so many, not just in hockey, but, you know, we've seen so many heartbreaking moments throughout sports history. When you're down 2-0, you put everything you have into that game three because you know you need to yes. win that game three. You and I have talked before about the, the difference between 3-0 and versus 2-1. and It's, it's Huge. gigantic. Huge. I think that loss sucked every last bit of life out of Toronto. Yeah. No, it did. Did you hear it? Absolutely. Did you hear that building? It I mean, dude, have, it was You could have heard a mouse running on a pillow. It was unbelievable. Like I, I always kind of have this mental debate within myself, depend depending on my mood, depending on the day is when it changes is like do I prefer, you know, getting a game-winning shot? where the team is at home and you're able to hear that, you know, explosion of, of a crowd or it, do I enjoy more the away team hitting that shot and just hearing the uh-huh. deafening silence as you hear the, you know, 15 or 20 people that are actually in the building celebrate while 20,000 are stunned in silence. And I still can't ever decide, which I like more. Obviously, like I said, given the moment in that moment, I liked, I'd like the away team winning, obviously. Oh um, my God. I mean, and, and- but just something about that, number of people being just deadly quiet oh there's there's so much power in in a, in a in an image like that and it was yeah it was it was it was like something you see out of a out of a 30 for 30 documentary and <laughs> you, or, you probably will one day right or an SB nation 
type, you know, rewind. We're probably going to see that at some point. I think that it's so easy too to see, like, you know what? It's a it's a great shot in the moment, but all it really does is put them up 3-0. That's one of those all-time Sixers playoff moments that you will see on highlight reels going forward. That's one of the greatest shots in Sixers history. It's not the greatest shot, but it is definitely one of the greatest shots in Sixers history right there. And for I think it has potential, yeah, to be. Like, if they go on to win the NBA championship this year, especially given, like, how they ended the regular season, right, where people are starting to doubt. They're starting to doubt James Harden. They're starting to doubt the dynamic between them together. They're starting to doubt yeah. Joel Embiid being the MVP. All this BS, really. And then for them to come into the playoffs, they if they do end up getting the sweep, sweeping Toronto and then going on to win the NBA championship, this this shot will be, I, I agree with you, like the image, right? Of oh, yeah. when when it became real, when the Sixers title became real in 2022, if they do end up winning the title, obviously. So and, I, I agree with you, dude. It's, it has a major impact. And you know what? We have so far to go. There's so many different things that have to happen. But beating Toronto... At- and let's be frank about a couple things. Joel Embiid has not played well in Toronto. He That has been a team that he has consistently struggled against. And Game 3 looked like another one of those games where he wasn't going to be that good. Yeah. He only had five points at halftime. He comes down the third quarter, Cameron. He gets 18 points. And I'm so glad you also mentioned James Harden because going into this playoff series, I think myself included, we were all really nervous about it. Hey, what is James Harden going to look like? I will, he has not been 2017, 2018 James Harden. No one would make that yeah. confusion. But – he looks a little faster. He's able to get to the cup a lot more. And some of these passes that he has made to guys like Tyrese Maxey and to Joel Embiid, this guy is so effective on the floor. And the fact that he still has that scoring threat where he can just pull up from three as he has done so at a 49% clip so far in the playoffs, this guy is as good as you need him to be to try and push this team to the next level, I think. Yeah, no, dude. He's playing his role pretty much perfectly, right? Like... And then Tyrese Maxey's I mean, just a god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Game one, he really like everybody's stepping up too, and that's that's also obviously one of the bigger things, right? Like we all talked about throughout the season and throughout the last couple of weeks is like, well, they need somebody to step up when Joel and Harden aren't on the floor, and there's been a lot of talk about having uh, Tyrese Maxey coming off the bench and stuff like that to try to get a spark because you can't get anything out of the bench guys and all yeah. this shit. And again, I think it's all valid too, but um. But yeah, it's it's big for for Harden obviously to be playing better. Um, he, like you said, he's not playing at that 2017, 2018 level. But you know, for what you gave up for him, do you want him to do that? Obviously, yes. But for an NBA champ, NBA championship, do you necessarily need him to do that? Maybe not right now. Not against Toronto. Um, but he's doing what he needs to be doing against a team like Toronto. So again, there's nothing to complain about, really. Um, there, there will definitely be a moment. In the next series against the Miami Heat, and in the and if they get past oh, yeah. Miami Heat, uh, maybe against a team like Milwaukee or Boston or whoever it might be, there's gonna be a moment where you need James Harden to be James Harden. And oh yeah, you, definitely. Yeah. Can you get here's your here's what you should ask yourself: one to three times a game, can you get vintage James Harden? And if you think you can, then it's automatically a trade that's worth it. Hell. They asked Ben Simmons today, what are your chances of playing in Game 3 are? As your team is now down 2 nothing, as the Brooklyn Nets are, Ben Simmons said, probably not. Like, probably not? I understand that, like, he's not going to save this team's season. If they're destined to lose, they're destined to lose, and Ben Simmons isn't going to change a damn thing. But to say probably not, that is, that is craziness to me that he would just be like, yeah, I'm probably not going to play. And what is he saying? Is it is it still the back? It's his thing? back, yeah, the back. You know, because like, he's yeah, it's okay. been, it's been overworked a lot this season, as we all know. 
Yeah, uh, yeah uh, sure, it has. I mean, dude, like, you know, we're not surprised. No one in Philadelphia is surprised. This is exactly why, like, everybody who, who shit on the trade after it happened, and, you know, I, I, I've heard the arguments, and I, I I actually think some of them are valid, you know, paying too much and, you know, whatever, losing bench pieces. You could have you could have waited till the offseason to sign them and all that shit, and, and, you know, okay, yeah, fair enough, that's true. I guess they could have, and they could have kept Seth Curry. They could have kept Drummond. You know, they could have kept the bench what it is, but... Uh, you know, at the same time, what what I think a lot of those criticizers weren't thinking about was this Ben Simmons situation, which is what we we were fully aware of. Was we knew we weren't giving anything up. At the end of the day, we gave up Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, and what two firsts? Yeah, for James Harden. That's yeah, what like, that's what we gave up for James Harden. That's it. We weren't giving up Ben Simmons because he wasn't going to play for the Sixers. And as of right now, this season, he's not playing for the Nets either. So at the end of the day, it really this doesn't isn't a surprise to anybody in Philadelphia, and this is exactly what was going to happen. We knew this is exactly what was going to happen, and a lot of Philadelphia fans are kind of relishing right now, saying, "Well, this is why we knew from day one that we won the trade because you know, we're going to get out of this season what we need out of this season from James Harden. You won't from Ben Simmons." Not only that, I just want to also point out he had to go. He one hundred percent had to go. The situation oh, yeah. was turning as rancid as it possibly could, and getting him out of here was one of the most important things that this team could do because I think it really yeah. lifted that cloud over the team's you know heads. And yeah, you know we act as if you know James Harden's been a nothing, or not you and I, but a lot of people have been acting like he's been a nothing since he got here, which just isn't the case. And yeah. they now stand on the cusp of sweeping a, a Raptors team, which by the way was the hipster pick to beat the Sixers and move oh, on yeah. to the playoffs. Yep. So they we, went from they went from oh they have the the toughness to get it done to well we're in a rebuild real damn quick didn't they the, the, these fans are unbelievable it's it's one of the best it's it's some of the best you know fan crying that I've seen in a long time when Dude. the Sixers blew twenty five and whatever you want to call it point leads against the Atlanta Hawks last year I don't remember the fans complaining about the refs meanwhile meanwhile. The Raptors blow a 17-point lead at home, and all you hear about is how Doc should have been teed up. Uh, Embiid fouled this guy. Harris fouled this guy. And it's just like, would you stop? That is such loser shit mentality. I get that Nick Nurse is going to do that because that's his, you know, that's his way of trying to strategize. He's trying to say this over and over again so that way the refs will be a little bit more timid potentially to call these fouls. The fans saying it, stop it. Your team's not better than the Sixers. They're not going anywhere. And quite frankly, I hope this is a rebuilding year because this team as constructed is nowhere near good enough to compete for an Eastern Conference title. Well, dude, I think you tweeted it out and it's a sentiment that that I always kind of have to remind myself and I think all sports fans should remind themselves is that if you're angry about one or two officiating calls or one or two things that the officials missed. They miss they miss shit every game. Oh yeah. You had ample opportunity. You had ample opportunity for your team to to take advantage. If it comes down to one call, that's that's just that's a lie, right? Let's be honest. That's one of the mm-hmm. biggest lies in sports is that it comes down to one call. There are some very few circumstances where that is actually the case, but it didn't come down to one call because there was fifty calls before that. Both in terms of officiating, both in terms of your coaching, in terms of your players, all that shit. Multiple people made the wrong call multiple times in order for you to lose the game. It wasn't just the one thing. So for you to be able to complain about that, it is what it is. And I like Nick Nurse, you know, and I get it. I see. I, I agree with you 100. percent I think that's exactly what he's doing. Um, yeah, like, and it's okay but, that he's you know, doing that. And, and for the record, yeah, no, it's th- completely fair. Yeah. yeah, 
I'm fine with it. And, and yeah. the, the, the foul, the free throw, rather, the free throw discrepancy, the Sixers shot 20 free throws. The Raptors shot 18. So the Sixers shot at a 75% clip. The Ra- Raptors shot at a 66.7% clip. So there you go. Here, How about this? Don't miss your free throws when you get the chance. It's, yeah, what's funny is, like, dude, uh, with, with, with Embiid, the thing is, is, like, the people that complain about Embiid and his play style – what they complain about is really what makes him good, right? If you really think about it in terms of the foul trouble. Like they say like, oh, well, he gets fouled all the time. That's why he gets this many points is because he's always, you know, he's always yelling for fouls and going for fouls, whatever. No, no, no. What makes him so good is that he's that big that it's impossible not to touch him, yet you have to touch him given the way that he moves, right? Like the only way to defend him is you have to get in his way because nobody can move with that size, right, the way that he can. So in order to stop him, you have to get in his way. You have to make contact. That's the beauty of his game. Yes. So when you complain about the fact of, oh, he gets all these foul calls, dude, you're literally highlighting what makes him good. You're highlighting that he's so good that you have to physically break the rules in order to stop him. And it's, it's really simple. If you don't want him at the line, stop fouling him. It's very simple. Right. But, Justin, if you don't foul him, he's going to score points. So then I guess you're right. effed. <laughs> I guess you're after. Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess it's over then, dude. But look, dude, back to the Toronto thing too, right? That you brought up with their their fans complaining. Let's yeah. be real, okay? Let's be real. These are Maple Leaf fans who were starved <laughs> and starved and starved, and then in twenty, what was it, 2018, 2019, 2019 when 2019, they won? Yeah, twenty nineteen, they got a taste for a championship, and they all jumped ship, right? They're all the, they're, they're all the, you know wearing their Kawhi Leonard jerseys, they, they, you know Kawhi, Kawhi Lowry left, jerseys. Yep. And I'll tell you what, I actually really think that if there was a fan base that should be able to take heartbreak, you know, Toronto and Philadelphia are the two fan bases that I think can do it the best. But let me explain. Oh, but Toronto's never, never been a gracious loser. No, Toronto they have has not. Never I mean, well, you know loser. what? They're, you know, Neither's the, Philadelphia. The Maple Leafs' previous owner, Harold Ballard, he was not a very gracious loser either, if you, if you really think about it. So I, they, yeah, they fit the really mold of their anything. old hockey owner. The yeah. Re- and I'm glad you referenced that tweet that I'd put out because all it says is when you reduce a sports game to one or two potential missed calls, that's when you know you've lost. And, I mean, that's how I feel coming out of a lot of games. Like when the Eagles lost to the Cowboys back in 2018, I'm sure you remember. As soon as I say it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Clear recovery. Like, that was the first actual play of the game. It was the kickoff that we did not. We recovered the fumble. They said that we didn't have a clear recovery. And guess what? We ended up losing the game in overtime. There were so many things that yeah. happened in the middle of that game, though, that could have we could have won the game, you know, tw- thirty to twenty-three. We could have, but we didn't, and that's what happens with Toronto. They're not good enough. They don't make the plays in this series that the Sixers are able to make because they are a clearly inferior team. Which is funny, considering that this is the four-five matchup, and as you know, Cameron, the four-five matchup is supposed to be the most evenly matched, you know, series. Yeah, yeah. It has not been the case. No. So. Uh, Basketball is funny like that. It is funny like that. Moving right along, I just do want to mention a couple other things going on in the NBA. Uh, I know that Cameron and I, you know, we don't normally talk too, too much about it, but it's the playoffs, and, you know, this is what you do when it's the playoffs. You always talk about it a little bit. But right now, uh, Milwaukee and Chicago, kind of a surprise right there. Milwaukee and, uh, and Chicago are tied up at one apiece in the in their playoff series. Phoenix, I'll be honest, I really, I really love this Chicago team. Wait, what was that? I really love that Chicago team. Oh, you like that Chicago team? Oh yeah, Zach Levine, fucking Demar Derozan. Oh my <laughs> god, dude. Yeah, they're they're nasty. They're sneaky good. Yeah. 
I am always I am always amazed by how much I forget that that team has DeMar DeRozan because he is one of the like from a talent standpoint he is one of the best pure mid range shooters in the NBA today and it's not oh yeah he's nasty it's certainly yeah. not a stretch. Uh, Memphis leads two to one. Minnesota blew a twenty five point lead last night yeah. at home <laughs> in Game Three. That was a Cameron, that's a series-defining win that you just let slip right through your fingertips. That series is over. It's over. Yeah, it's tough, dude. It's that's tough. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jokic uh, and uh, his amazing VORP uh, metric, they're down 3 nothing to the Golden State Warriors. But, I mean, they'll give him the MVP because he got a nice military haircut. Dallas, despite the fact that, they're, that they don't have Luka Doncic, they're up 2-1 on Utah. And I think that right now, Cameron, if Utah loses this series, you got to be thinking about what changes are coming because they've got no excuses. They were the best team in the NBA last year from a record standpoint. They fell apart. And they're falling apart again against a team that doesn't even have their best player. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, uh, they got Rudy, you know, Rudy, the defender, right? Uh, Rudy, Rudy, the COVID starter. <laughs> Rudy, the defender. Yeah, man. Uh, Phoenix uh, and, and New Orleans, as I mentioned, they're tied up at one. No Devin Booker for the next couple weeks for Phoenix. That's a big loss. We'll see how they respond tonight. Miami is up 2-0 on Atlanta. That series should be a wrap. Philly is up 3-0 on Toronto. That series is a wrap. Milwaukee and Chicago, as I mentioned, they're tied up at one. And then Boston. i tell you what, dude. As I've said it going into these playoffs, I thought Ugh. the Boston Celtics were the most dangerous team in the East. I thought Milwaukee was the best. Oh, yeah. But now that Chris Middleton is out for the foreseeable future, I think the Boston Celtics are the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Jason, I don't know about that, but Jason Tatum. Goddamn. Unbelievable. The kid is he's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. I know in Philadelphia it's popular to hate on Jason Tatum, but we don't have to anymore because Ben Simmons is not a sixer anymore. That kid is so good, and, and it stinks that he's on Boston, and it's going to hurt. If we have to play that team in the playoffs, Cameron, I'm going to be pulling whatever's left of my hair right out of my head because that guy is going to make me you know, stay up at night. He is just a marvel to watch. His game one winner, which was a really awesome layup, but I also like to point out that game one winner because Kevin Durant straight up did not pick him up and just wasn't even watching him, which I just find to be funny. Well, he thought Ben Simmons was going to pick him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, so, I feel bad for Kevin Durant. I, I kind of do. Do you honestly. really, though? Really? In this, in this situation? Yeah, because that's a guy who actually shows up and busts his ass. Yeah, but that's right? also like the same guy leader. that like abandoned Oklahoma City and then said, oh, I got to win a title. I got to yeah. join a 73-win no, team to win a title. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, while we're sticking on the topic of playoffs – uh, let's talk about the NHL playoffs that are right around the corner. You know, obviously, with the way the Flyers season has gone, it's been it's been tough. Um, I'd also be, I'd also be re- remiss if I didn't mention this. Uh, Guy Lafleur uh, yeah. passed away today, which is very sad. A- an absolute, re- you know, a- an icon, not just in the Montreal Canadiens history, but NHL history. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Following a three-year battle with cancer, he died at the age of seventy. So, you know, obviously our hearts here at the podcast going out to you know his him and his family and and the Canadians fan base. That that is a that was a an amazing amazing cornerstone player. That let's be honest, when you think about NHL history and you think about the 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 true legends, Guy Lafleur is someone that should be in your like that should be in your memory banks. Yeah. 
I, w- I would say so. I mean, like considering the fact that we, you know, we weren't even, I think, a, an idea in our father's heads yet, <laughs> like when he was playing, and yet we actually know who the guy is. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'd say he made quite the impact. Another guy too, man. Um, I think it was just this past week, or maybe the week before. Uh, Mike Bossy, former New York Islander. Yes. Uh, another guy passed away. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a shit week. Um, oh yeah, it's been a shit week. And then obviously, what's going on with the Flyers? And I, because of my, it's just it's just so hard to even fathom it. What's going on with the Flyers and their their training staff and the equipment staff and oh my god, dude, yeah. I mean, what what a freaking nightmare to be going through. And I know that someone's already there was an article posted. You should go read it. I I, I want to see if I can get the uh, the person who posted it. I believe it's Jim McCross. Well, the two people are Jim McCross and Sal Rafa. Yeah, yeah, um, Jim McCross and yeah, I was I was McCrossin, on the last name. I didn't want to I didn't want to get that one wrong. Yeah, McCrossin is the one that yeah that was uh, talking with Oscar Limbaum and stuff and saying how, you know, he was there to help Oscar Limbaum and now it's you know the roles are reversed and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, great yeah, story dude, from the Athletic. Great story from the Athletic. You should go read it. And yeah, it really kind of puts the exclamation point on this you know absolute shit season for the Philadelphia Flyers, both on the ice and off of it. I, I mean, it, it, it's I, just... Have you yeah. ever felt worse about the direction of a franchise than... I mean, honestly, like, you were Flyers fans, so we're, you know, maybe a bit biased. Like, I'm sure the Cleveland Browns fans have felt the same way, but, like, this has to be the worst ongoing direction for any NHL team at this point, right? Like, who's got it worse than us at this point? Dude, I don't know, right? Because, like, like I'm looking, I'm looking right now at the standings. Okay, so let's let's see. Here. Be careful! You'll get radiation poisoning if you look at that for too long. <laughs> <laughs> like Arizona's in the dumpster, right? They're the last team. But the thing is, they have like 15 first-round picks yeah. over the next like two years. They know what they're doing. They know that they're going into a rebuild. They're fully aware of it. So, like for a team like that, it's like, yeah, they know what they're doing. I mean, Montreal—they're in a bad spot right now too. Um, you know, Stanley Cup contenders. What last year, right? Um, two years ago, mm-hmm. and that was a fluke, which, you know, not, I'm going to toot my own horn, but I called it. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> I would say Seattle, obviously, they're not looking good either, um, especially given who's at the helm of their coaching. But well, not only that, I mean, Seattle, they they butchered the expansion. expansion they did. They're a disaster. They did, exactly. And that's that's what I'm saying. Like they're, They didn't set themselves up well for the future, so it's not – looking like it's going to go well but again they're a team they're a rebuild team right like they they might my point is they're not a franchise that's been around for four or five decades right building themselves so it's like Mm -hmm. they're expected to do bad what the vegas golden knights did their first season and then afterward that's unheard of for a team in its inaugural season to do something like that and then you got the flyers uh fourth to last the devils above them i'd say maybe chicago might have a worse outlook than philadelphia because chicago went full gung-ho with this rebuild as well. Um, and then just even worse PR news came out for them. They are, as of right now, I would say probably the shittiest organization mm-hmm. uh, in the NHL, given the Kyle Beach thing. Um, and rightfully so, because what they did with Kyle Beach uh, and ignoring him and, and what their organization what they allowed to happen under the organization uh, is absolutely terrible. So it's rightfully so that they're the laughing stock of the NHL. But I would say the Flyers are right there with them. I mean, um, you're getting sued if you're the Flyers because you yeah. potentially expose team employees to to carcin- uh, carcinogens. 
Like, yeah, and it's not like these guys are money-hungry people. They're people that love the organization. So yeah. it's not like they're doing it because, like, oh, they want money and they want compensation. They're doing it because they have no other way to get it. And the organization that they love and that they've dedicated their time and, and effort to um, is not helping them despite being the cause of them possibly having a, a, an hor- a horrible disease. Com- so, yeah, I would say between Chicago and Philadelphia, um, they're both – Two of the worst-looking franchises from the future going forward. And I, as far as I know, Philadelphia has one first-round pick going into this season, right, because of Claude Giroux, so it's yep. not going to be like it's worth a whole lot. Um, well, I'll say this. Um, you know. In an effort to just get away from this radiation that is the Philadelphia Flyers, and, and I and I just like they're, – they're just such a negative. I just want to talk about some good hockey – Get, let's just yeah. talk about some good playoff matchups. Okay, we'll, we'll start. Let's start in the Eastern <laughs> Conference. Okay, cleanse the palate. Cleanse the palate. Cleanse right. the palate. Right. Let's talk about. Yes. Let's talk about Claude Giroux's uh, Florida Panthers. I like. Yep. I, they're they're Claude yep. Giroux's Florida Panthers. Okay, that the yep. team belongs to Giroux. At least in my head, they do. Uh, they are taking on. Or right now, if the season were to end today as is, they would be taking on the Washington Capitals in round one. Washington's put together an okay, uh, actually a, a pretty good season, all things considered. They're 43, 23, and eleven. Florida, though. Yeah. 56-15. The, the East is stacked. The East is stacked. The, it's ridiculous. W- the winner of the Eastern Conference will probably win the Stanley Cup. That's just my honest opinion. Yeah. Unless it comes down to something like injuries or some type yeah, of X-factor no, thing. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So, no, uh, Flor- Florida-Washington's the first matchup. That's a pretty good one. The other matchup yeah. in the Eastern Conference, Toronto-Tampa Bay. That one has classic written all over it. That will be an amazing mm-hmm. one. Especially after this past week. Uh-huh. I'm sure you might have seen the headlines of Leah Hextall getting roasted because uh-huh. she asked a dumb question. And here, I'll you know, really quick just to get it out of the way. Leah Hextall took an L. That's really all it is. That's my Do take. Do you want to explain to our viewers who might not who who might not have uh, seen the clip? Yeah, so there was there's two clips really that are going around. There's the one where she's interviewing Wayne Simmons, I guess after he and Pat Maroon were arguing across the benches at each other. As you see, as you see if you watch a hockey game, people get, you know, heated. They yell across at each other and it's hilarious, right? It's always hilarious. It's always good fun. Um and she just asked Wayne Simmons if like what did she ask him if he was tough, right? Yeah. And he was just like, I don't know, ask him pretty much because she was she was pretty much quoting the fact that they were arguing and she was saying, hey, Pat Maroon was saying that you're not tough and you can't fight, um, you know, so are you tough? Like I'm asking for him. Now, granted, I know what she was doing. I think we all kind of know what she was doing. She was just – she noticed there was fireworks, right, between I think she was trying guys. to have fun with it. I think that, you know, exactly. she was trying to, you know, just play around with, with Wayne Simmons and unfortunately – she was trying to get a little bit more fire out of him because there were firecrackers going there. I, my cringiest thing from it was the other video of when they're actually yelling at each other and she's kind of in between the two of them. And oh, yeah. at one point she comments on like what Pat Maroon said to like, and my, I have no problem with her because she's getting excited. That's what you want out of a commentator. Mm-hmm. Like she's getting excited. That's awesome. She's doing a fine job. The only thing was just like, just let them yell at each other. You don't have to commentate what they're saying. Just let them you know, like as much as I hate, as much as I hate to compare to Pierre Maguire because we all have our issues with him. Um, like he was always very good at that. That he would just be like, "Oh, they're yelling, they're going at it now, they're going at it," and then he wouldn't say anything. He would just let them. You'd hear the feedback between the two of them and the mic as long as they weren't cursing, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, here's the thing, it- like, dude, she got a little overexcited, asked a question that didn't really seem like the smartest. She took an L. It's not that big of a deal. She's not a terrible journalist. She shouldn't be fired. 
calm down, everybody. I mean, everyone, everyone, you know, everyone needs to get offended about something. But um, no, I didn't have a problem with what Leah Hextall or Leah Hextall did. I just, you know, it was, no. it was a dumb question. That's all it was. You move on. Yeah. Um, just took an L. It's fine. Speaking of moving but yeah, on, the point is they were arguing with each other, and it, it kind of you know creates this little little bit of heat between Pat Maroon and Wayne Simmons and and the two teams. And it's yeah, it'll be a cool series that they end up playing against each other. The next series is Carolina and Boston, and this is actually one of this is actually my favorite uh, matchup featured in the Eastern Conference because me too. Carolina me too, has dude. seemingly ran into Boston every time, and every time it goes Boston's way. But this time, Carolina won the season series, sweeping Boston. But now Carolina's dealing with some injuries, Cameron. It's not yeah. written in stone anymore. Yeah, like Carolina, I would say is the better team on paper. Um, but I don't know, dude. There's there's something about when you put on that Boston Bruins jersey that like you're just <laughs> born to play playoff games. Seriously, I I was talking to my father about it um, last week. We were just talking about random, I guess just random sports, random things. And I was saying how I was comparing the Boston Bruins in a way to the Pittsburgh Steelers of like how they are so well constructed top to bottom internally, right? And I'm not talking about the team. I'm saying in terms of management, in terms of being able to build their team and knowing exactly what the team needs when it needs it and being able to sustain that. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are always in the goddamn playoffs. They're not always contenders, but they're always in the playoffs. And it's it's frustrating. And yeah. the Boston Bruins are the same way. They're always they're always in the hunt, no matter what. No matter what. It's, and so, like, when you look at a team like Carolina, they're like this young team, right, that has never... They haven't... It's been a long time since they've won a Stanley Cup, since they've even been in the Stanley Cup. They've been knocking the door for a while, and you got to get through that wily veteran, but that wily veteran just keeps coming back, and he just keeps knowing all these little old tricks... And it keeps pulling out of nowhere and just <laughs> kicking the shit out of, out of you with. And it's really, really frustrating. I, it'll be fun. Honestly, I, I hate to say it, but I, with the injuries going on, I'm leaning toward Boston. I, I kind of lean towards Boston, too, number. and that does stink because I thought Carolina I thought Carolina was the most fun team this season. If they go out in round one, um, well, hopefully that gets Rod Brendan more fired so he can come to Philadelphia and be our coach. But, <laughs> Dude, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, right? that like would a be first round sweep, Holy and then they're shit. like, all right, Rod, you got to go. But, yeah, get out, even though they love them. But, yeah. Last Eastern Conference playoff matchup, the Rangers and the, and the Penguins. Uh, you want to talk about a team that always finds their way into the playoffs. The Penguins are always right there. They're extremely well built. Best uh, best front office, I think, in all of hockey. But yeah. the New York Rangers, this one is especially painful for me because the Rangers' yep. rebuild should yep. not have gone better than the way the Flyers did. They they did it. If you, you know, Flyers fans, if you want to look about what you want your team to be, in the next five years, the Rangers, whatever they did, look at what they did and do what they did. Cause that's what that they did it right. There's literally both of those teams were the same place two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. One went one direction. The other went the other direction. I mean, it's, it's like, and the crazy part is that a couple years ago when the Flyers were in the midst of their really good season, the Rangers were awful. They were just – it was Terrible. so obvious that they were headed Terrible. towards the dumpster fire. And yeah. and another thing I want to point out about the these New York Rangers, for those who want to be like, well, when you get the first overall pick in the entire draft. Okay, I get it. Alexis Lafreniere has 28 points this season, people. Oh, yeah, he's not the reason. He's not the it's reason. It's Panera. It's Artem it's Panera. Mika, it's Mika Zibanejad. Truba. Chris Kreider, the ageless wonder. Chris Kreider has 51 goals. That is the quietest 50-goal season I've ever seen, by the way. Chris oh, Kreider having 51 right? goals. Aaron yeah. Fox has 11 goals and 61 assists. Ryan Strom's got over 50 points. Jacob Truba's a, pl- a constant plus on the ice. And then you look at the goalies, and oh, my God, Cameron, I knew I knew this guy from the moment that oh, he yeah, got yep. 
I knew that Igor Shosturkin was going to yep. be a freaking star in this league. Let's be real, though, dude. I, I, I really don't understand how people are not talking about Adam Fox more. I don't get it either. It, it, it has to be. It has to be. Because everything else is going so well for this Rangers team that Adam Fox is Yeah, but was it last year? What do you say? Was it last year? Like, it was going solid for them, and he won the Norris Trophy last year. 23 years old, this kid won the Norris Trophy, and no one talks about him. This team, Why is nobody talking about him? And that is why, I'm telling you, he's because it's amazing. He wins the Norris Trophy, dude, and it's like he's still the most underrated player in the Eastern Conference. Yes, no yes. I would say he is the most underrated because no one's talking about him. He's, a, he's the goddamn best defenseman in the league. This hurts to say. They, they, these, this team's my pick out of the Eastern Conference. I, I love this team. I think they have the best goalie. I think they have the best defense. And you, when New York, when the New York Rangers' defense is good, you've got problems because that is what they're built on. They are built on suffocating you to death. That has been their franchise's history. Igor Shosturkin has a 201 GAA. He has a save yeah. percentage of .936. The only thing that I don't like about the New York Rangers is I would like a little bit more depth with their team offensively. I mean, uh, following Lafreniere, it's a drop-off. It's, it's a pretty steep yeah. one. But well, dude, I mean, you go Artemi with 19. Artemi Panarin, 96 points. Mika Zibanejad, 79. Kreider, 74. Adam Fox, 72. Those are the top four. And then Andrew Kropp has 53. That's a 20-point drop. And then right behind him, Ryan Strom, it's 52. And then 38 with Jacob Stratley. It just keeps dropping from that point on. I just want to also point something out to you, though. You want to talk about a team. Like, in the playoffs, you need experience. Artem Panarin, yeah. playoff experience with the Columbus Blue Jackets and play, and experience winning in the playoffs. Chris Kreider, oh, Chris he went to yep. the Stanley Cup a couple years ago. Uh, Adam Fox, are very, very young. Ryan Strom, he's got it, playoff experience. Jacob Trubo, Winnipeg Jets, good playoff experience. Barclay Goodrow, he was with the San Jose. He scored the game-winning goal in Game 7 against the uh, uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So he's another guy that can that can add to that depth. Because of his playoff experience, and then Lafreniere, obviously he's still very young. They've they've got other pieces as well, but Justin Braun is now there. He's got great playoff experience, so they're going to be fine, I think, as terms of like their depth. Because I think they have enough veteran leadership to propel them. Yeah, I just i I don't think I'm I wouldn't put my money on them to win this year necessarily. The entire for that reason. Well, I, I mean. I don't think they're necessarily better than Colorado, but I think they're good enough to face it. Gets, I think they're good enough to get there. I think they're good enough to possibly get there, yeah. What I wouldn't but get to I, see New I, York, New York-Tampa Bay would be an insane series. That would be crazy. It would, but I in that scenario, right, where they play against a team like Tampa Bay, I give the edge to Tampa Bay because they have that experience. There's only one team in the Eastern Conference I'd give the edge over, you know, instead of Tampa Bay, too, and that would be – this, this one's going to surprise you. I do give it to the Florida Panthers because I think the Florida Panthers have the experience and they added a, a legendary hockey player to help them <laughs> over the hump. Western <laughs> Conference. Western yeah. Conference. Yeah. Uh, not as much to go – listen, I said at the beginning of the year I was not going to let the Edmonton Oilers, you know, trick me this year. I, I swore on that. That was like my, my year-long Lent. I'm not doing yeah. it. Calgary-Nashville, yeah. round one. Calgary is having the best season they've had since their cup run in 2004. And honestly, Johnny Gaudreau is having his best season as a pro, in my opinion, 
this team feels like a team that could make a run to the Western Conference Final, and I think they have the best path to getting to the Western Conference Final. I see what you're saying. That's what you're, and what's interesting, too, like that's something that I would say Flyers fans really want to pay attention to, the Calgary series, because the two guys you just mentioned, Kachuk, Gaudreau, both on contract years. Mm-hmm. One, of them, one of them they're probably not going to pay. One of them is right. going to be a Philadelphia Flyer next year. One of them is mostly going to be a free agent, and that's yeah, exactly. That's yep. the idea, right? I don't know about being a Flyer because I, I don't know what the fuck their plan is to free up cap space and to try to. Anyway, doesn't matter. Moving on, <laughs> moving, moving, moving on. right along. Um, <laughs> Edmonton, Los Angeles. I'm I'm not going to mention anything about Edmonton. We already know about Edmonton. They don't, you know. It's Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, and then a bunch of yuppies hey, over there. Listen, I'll say I'll say it for you. They're not going anywhere. No, they're not. But uh, I do want to talk about just a real quick second. I don't want to spend too much time on them. I'm very impressed with how the Los Angeles Kings have turned themselves around. That that's that's yeah. another example of a rebuild that has gone well for them. We'll see what it's like in the years following this year. But I'm about to say, I I yeah, it's. I think the Rangers is a lot more sustainable. I agree um, with you. I I'm 100 you know, on your side. But, but it is it is I think not kind of nice to see them kind of rebound after some really bad years at following oh, the yeah, last couple yeah. wins. Uh, Colorado and Dallas. This is another one of those series where, let's let's be frank. Colorado. This is I believe this is their last chance. It's getting close. Their title window close. is still open. They should go and win the Stanley Cup Finals this year. It's just the way it is. They are by far and away the yeah. most talented team in the West. I think they are better than any other team in the Eastern Conference. If they do not win the Stanley Cup Finals this year, I do not believe you will at least ever see Nathan McKinnon win a title in a Colorado uniform. <laughs> yeah, dude, and like you don't have you don't have years like Nazem Kadri's having for like depth guys like that. You got to take advantage of that type of shit. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Like, Kadri with eighty four points—that's ridiculous, dude. He was never that honestly. Guy. I mean, dude, what what is go- really what is going on? What is going on between him, Chris Kreider? Have you seen Ryan Hartman? Yeah. For Christ's sake, <laughs> oh on Minnesota. Oh my God! Don't even. T- don't. I don't want to talk about it. What is happening in the NHL right now? Where uh, these guys who are 35 years old, practically, they're not. But you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating. But like, dude, they have no business scoring 50 goals and 80 points a season. Nazem Kadri, he had 32 points in 56 games last year. He's having a career. The most year he's year. ever scored. In a single season, was sixty-one points in eighty-two games. It's unbelievable. He's got eighty-four this year. It's what Toronto 84. fans all knew he was capable of. All Toronto, lo- they they loved this guy. They were sad when they traded him to uh, to Colorado. But like, not even just that. Like, Miko Rantanen has established himself as like the mm-hmm. premier point, you know, points per game player on this team. Then you obviously have Nathan McKinnon, who's phenomenal. Kale yeah, McCarr McKinnon. is the best defender in hockey. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he is. Well, there, dude, I think we kind of just answered one of our previous podcast questions, right? Like, why aren't people talking about Adam Fox? Go, oh, because well, Kale McCarr's a thing. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that kind of, that answers it, I think. And then, obviously, they have Andre Burakovsky. They have Devin Taves. This team is so loaded. Valerie uh, Nishkinen, yeah. Sam Gerrard, Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson only has 23 points this season. He's one of their best players. Yeah, and then he's, they have a, he's a great depth guy. Yeah. For, former, former, just you know, I, I I've stand him this entire time. Nicholas Obey-Cubell, <laughs> he's got eleven goals this season. Like he's playing well. He's he's dude. He's, he's playing as a great depth piece for that team. Yes, he is. Minnesota and St. Louis. This is an interesting well, matchup. Really, really quick, dude. Before we move on, yeah. I got to say just before we go completely to the next one. Um, 
Flyers fans, be ready for Nazem Kadri because he's probably you want. We know you want Johnny Gaudreau. We know you want Matthew Kachuk, but he, we're probably going to get Kadri. So just get your reason. And then he's going to proceed so. to uh, get about. He's going to play how he has been his entire career. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. He's going to yeah. have 40 points in 82 games. He's going to get like a nine game suspension <laughs> when he tries to kill Tom Wilson. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, you, you think JVR's contract is bad? Oh, get ready for Nazem Kadri's <laughs> next year, baby. Here we go. Yep. Minnesota and St. Louis. Uh, I'm not as interested in this matchup only because it's just a like this is a battle between Minnesota's not going to go anywhere because they're just not. I just don't believe in them. I don't believe in the idea that the Minnesota Wild can scrape out a run to the. Uh, I know, Stanley Cup but finals. I'm rooting for Minnesota. I really just because it's Minnesota, I know. right? They need to have a good hockey team. Like they need something, and then St. Louis. St. Louis is good. I don't. They're just no. They're no. They're, they're not going to win the Stanley Cup Finals this year. They're not going to. I I don't think so either. Um, like I, I'm pulling up their stats right now. Like, well, like you know, I, I want Minnesota I, to do I, well. I, I took the time to look up Vladimir Tarasenko, who let's just be let's just remember the Seattle Kraken did not want. He's just casually having a 33 goal, 46 assist uh, season, 79 <laughs> points in 71 games. So yeah, good good job, Seattle. You idiots. Braden Shen's had a yeah. good year. Like Pavel Buchnevich, who I loved when he was with the Rangers, and he's proven more and more why he is a great player in the NHL. He's been phenomenal mm-hmm. for them this year. They have Tory Crew, who's been pretty nice this year. Justin Falk, who has been less awful than what he was over in Buffalo. But oh, I'm sorry, not Buffalo. Uh, you know, when he was with Carolina, he wasn't even that bad with Carolina. I shouldn't say he was bad. No, he was he was good. He was good. He wasn't. He, was, he, he was wasn't up to his potential, though. That was the problem. Yeah, he was. He was an offensive defenseman. Yeah, I would. I would yeah, Brand, exactly. Brandon Saad is a timeless wonder. Ryan O'Reilly is great. David Perron, you know, he does what he does. This team's good. I think what'll kill them more than anything is the fact that uh, Veal Huso is going to be most likely your starting goaltender in the playoffs. If, yeah, if you're smart, if you're smart, it'll up. be him. If you're. Sp- yeah, it's got to be. But my worry is Craig Berube and his old-fashioned hockey mind, he's going to turn towards the champion. He's going to go with Jordan Bennington. Yeah, he might. And, and I don't know, dude. Like, maybe he's on to something there because Bennington has won a Stanley Cup. He's been there before, I guess. But I agree with you. Like, Huso's, I, Huso's the guy you start with, right? you got to start with Huso because of the year that he's having. Um, yeah. you got to wait for him to kind of start to crack before you throw Bennington in there. I agree. Kind of like how the what was it the twenty I guess the twenty eighteen uh, Pittsburgh Penguins were right was it that team twenty uh, seventeen when they went with Tristan Jerry over uh, Mark Andre no Ford. it was Matt Murray the one over with Matt Murray over oh Mar- uh, over Mark Andre Fleury oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so it yeah, had yeah, to be twenty seventeen because it was the year before uh, the the Vegas Golden Knights were a team um, well, yeah they so went yeah, they went like, with the hot hand they went with Matt Murray and it, they and it propelled Murray, them yeah. to a uh, Stanley Cup. Yeah, and I think it's you kind of have to do the flipped thing right with if you're if you're uh, St. Louis, but. I don't know, man. I, I'm not going to count St. Louis out yet. They're that tough team. Um, all of them have been there before, obviously, for the most part. Uh, I can't count them out entirely. I don't. I agree with you. I don't think they're going to go, necessarily. But I think they're going to go far. I think St. Louis is going to go farther than a lot of people expect. Are they, Do you think they can beat Colorado? No, no, no. I think I can see them getting to the Western Conference Finals. I don't I don't see them winning the Western Conference Finals. I think if they win their round and Colorado wins theirs, I think they'd have to play Colorado. That's tough, dude. That's tough. Yeah, that's exactly what would have to happen. They'd have to play Colorado. Yeah, that'd be a tough that'd be a tough second round matchup. 
Uh, before yeah. before we sign off, Cameron, uh, I just want to also bring up one thing. You mentioned that you know you're not feeling too well. You've been dealing with the um with the <coughs> uh, the, co- the the COVID. Um, yep, yep. Any any advice to you know people out there that you know might be dealing with some COVID of their own? Like you know what what has been your remedy? You know what kind of soups have you been eating? What kind of rest have you been getting? Uh, dude, I've been sleeping like crazy, dude. At least <laughs> at least like two naps a day. Like I'll wake up. I'll be waking up at like, you know, eight, eight o'clock in the morning. Maybe I would get up. Maybe I wouldn't. Um, and then I'd probably go, I'd be back in bed by like noon, sleep till like four in the afternoon, get up and then go to sleep by like nine o'clock at night, just constantly sleeping. And then, you know, just soup and bullshit. I've been, <laughs> I would say the only thing I could recommend is try to be productive in your lack of productivity. That's what I've been saying. So when we're, not able to do anything i'm just like hey we're gonna binge watch shows let's binge watch all the shows we possibly can to try to get all of them off our list kind of thing um so yeah dude other than that just try to keep your sanity and don't be afraid to engage in in your laziness you're allowed to do it this one time you know what i mean so well uh i guess that's my little piece of advice well for the fly guys podcast my name is justin goodart this has been cameron klein be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Fly Guys Podcast at Cameron Klein fifteen at Goodheart Justin. Um, make sure that you uh, if you're not listening to us on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're at least listening to us on Spotify. And apparently Amazon, dude. Apparently we're on Amazon, which I just didn't even know that we were. But that's awesome that we are. I just find that funny. Uh, don't worry, you don't have to. Pay yeah, it's all in. through Buzzsprout. They do they do all the directories. I had like that. no so, yeah. idea that that was the case, but yeah, we're uh, also on Google, iHeartRadio, yeah. Oh, I knew that I knew that we were on iHeartRadio, which is again yeah. pretty awesome. Uh, be happy, be healthy, wear your masks, get vaccinated if you can, and as always, let's go Flyers and clap your hands, everybody, for the Philadelphia 76ers.